Welcome to the Black on Black Education Podcast, where we interview the most brilliant minds and connected hearts to discuss our shared passion for the transformation, the revolution, reimagining, and recreation of education in the Black community. My name is Eva Loren Jean Charles, founder of Black on Black Education and New York City High School teacher. And I'm Jamal Thomas, her partner and dad, education enthusiast, and we're, and we're your, your host. host. Please don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. And most importantly, to enjoy the episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Black on Black Education Podcast. This is going to be a special one for me, but I am very excited. So let's get this thing kicked off. Who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? Y'all get right in. <laughs> so my name is Adrian Waller. I also go by the Worldwide Educator. And so when I think about what I do, I say it all centers around amplifying the work of others. So that's kind of what I do. Like I help you showcase, you develop, you grow in whatever way possible. So that's what I do in my nine to five. So as a, an assistant principal, amplifying students, amplifying teachers, their voice, their power, everything that makes them great. And then in the you know side hustle, what I do is allowing educators to see all that they're great about and amplify that through their resume, through their interview, as they're preparing for review, annual reviews. And that's not just educators. I've worked with people in various industries, but it's all about what is it that you do? What makes you awesome? And how can we make you awesome? I mean, Adrian is being modest. And, um, you know, it, it was like it was special to her, special to me, too. I mean, me and Adrian have spent, you know, a bunch of time together, like during that during that three month of clubhouse wave. Like, you know, I mean, we was on so many stages together. And, um, you know, I, I, I this conversation where we just get to to talk to her is something that's been been important. So, you know, you, you, you fancy yourself the worldwide educator. And, um, you know, that that's a that's a different kind of title. Um, dive into that a little bit. Tell tell people about, you know, what what it, what it means to not just be centered here in the United States, but to have a focus on um, the world as it pertains to education. So global education is just an incredible thing, right? So I essentially was kind of tired of the U.S. I, I actually had gotten to a point in my education career where I thought education wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. I thought mm -hmm. I thought that like this, maybe I, maybe I wasn't really suited to be an educator. Maybe this wasn't the right field for me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I was at a point where I was like, look, if I go out the country and it's still not working, maybe I need to rethink what I, you know, I think is my career. Yeah. And that was at year nine. At year nine, I was like, yeah, let, let's do it. I heard some people talking about it. I was like, maybe this is what I need to do. And I went abroad on a three-year contract, but I was like, look, if I can make it a year, that's great. <laughs> you know, if not, you know, I'll be on the next plane to get back home. And that was in 2016. Here I am in 2022, still doing it and not knowing when I'm coming back. And it's been incredible. I've been in multiple countries. I mean, it's been, it's had its ups and its downs. COVID definitely was a rough patch for me in terms of, I actually was employed in China when all of this Corona, COVID all kind of popped off, visiting my cousin in Australia, looking at the news, like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, like thinking yeah. it was... SARS 2.0 and it just really up um, ended my life but it's still been so incredible the journey and everything that I've learned about 
the great things that like U.S. education does well, because there are a few things that we do really, really well in comparison to the rest of the world, special education being one of them. And uh -huh. so that's one that actually I think the U.S. And mind you, there's still many ways we can get better. Uh -huh. But if you compare the systems, the laws, the supports that are there for students who are, you know, neurodiverse, you know, physically diverse, we're really ahead of the game in, uh -huh. in comparison to most countries. Now, there's a lot of stuff we don't do really well. Like school looks the same very much as it did like a century ago or more, you know. Um, and so that's an area where you look at places like a Finland and, you know, uh -huh. New Zealand. They're really kind of like, oh, wow, this is some innovative ways to do learning places in Asia. And I feel like the U.S. is really dragging in that area. Uh -huh. But being abroad has helped me to kind of see just so many similarities that kids are kids. I don't care what country you go to, kids are kids. It's the adults that are really different. You know, like, like, like they're like, well, what is it like teaching the kids? I'm like, the kids are for the most part the same, but it's the adults, the parents, the people you're working with, that that's really where you're like, oh, now this, this is different. And uh -huh. so that's kind of some of the joys, um, you know, highs and lows of international education. No, I, I mean, I love that perspective. And I think that, uh, something that you brought up that I didn't consider was that special education piece, was the idea that there are ways that we can really think about the assets that the United States education system has. And we always have to come from that perspective. Sometimes us as educators, when we're steeped in it, it's very, very difficult to do that. But I think bringing that in that perspective is really great. Um, and it's something for us to ponder about when we're having conversations across folks who work in the United States and folks who work outside of the United States. Um, and so like, well, why would you advocate for a teacher to make the decision to, to teach abroad? And I know you talked a little bit about it in your own personal experience, but what did you gain um, as an individual and as an educator by making this transition in your career? So I typically will never just advocate to go abroad. For me, the big thing, and you know I've talked about this, is you having choice and agency over what's next for you. And mm. so for me, it's about you knowing that you have more than just the U.S. in front of you. There's so many other things and ways that you can engage and that you have a choice, whether that's to stay in your school, to stay in your district, to stay in your state, or to stay in your country. Whatever mm. that is, you have agency. Now, what are some of the benefits that I would say are about going abroad for me, I mean, the biggest one that was like the biggest attraction for me was just a work-life balance. It's, um, I don't take nearly as much home. Like I literally can finish work and finish most of it at work. Like uh, the way jobs are kind of designed and able to actually then freely kind of do other things I want to do. Uh, Frequently, I felt like my salary is much more competitive because I'm generally not paying for housing. Most of the countries I've lived in, housing is taken care of. And housing is by far one of your biggest, is your biggest expense. Yeah. If your housing is taken care of, your ability to clear debt, use money, you know, more disposably to invest, to do all these different things is amplified in a way. And so that was really big for me. In three years, I cleared $30,000 worth of debt while going to 20 countries. You better come on. <laughs> How do you do that, you know, without, I, in the US, I couldn't imagine that and still be able to travel, right? Like it wasn't mm -hmm. like I was sitting still. Like I told you, I went to 20 countries in that time. 20 countries, $30,000 of debt and had a work-life balance. 
I wasn't working two and three jobs. I wasn't, you know, going crazy. Like all of that was mainly just done off of my regular income. And I only did like tutoring here and there. Like I was like, uh, maybe. Yeah. So those are probably some of the big, and then the ability to travel. Like I have breaks in a way that I didn't have breaks before. So like I have all the, like I have a fall break. I have three weeks for Christmas break. I have a February break. I have a spring break, you know, and that doesn't include long weekends and holidays that are in there. So just this ability to have more time to travel either in an off season to go to places that I never would have thought of. And then you're working with people who are from everywhere and have been everywhere. And uh, so I learned so much about the world. Like I have friends in the UK, Australia, New Zealand, like who've lived all these different places. And then they visited all these places. So they're like, Oh, well, have you ever been to Myanmar? I'm like, no, uh, tell me about it. Like, there are countries I hadn't even heard of, if I'm honest, until I yeah. started doing this. People are talking about countries. They're like, oh, this country is beautiful and great. I never thought I would want to go to the Philippines. The Philippines is by far one of my favorite places I've visited. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't have done that if I had stayed you know, in the U.S. and just traveled from the U United States. And so being like when I was in Qatar, I was super close to Sri Lanka. Like I could get to Sri Lanka yeah. in the same amount of time you can get to Cali. So like mm -hmm. that. That's also something like very different, you know, go to Europe and in a minute you're on a train and you can get from here to here to here. And that's just really different. Now, what I learned about myself and like how I've grown is I'm a much more patient person. And I thought I had patience, but I will tell you to go to a different country, pack up your bags and live somewhere without family. You learn a whole new set of patience because each country does things really differently. And uh -huh. so I've learned to be a lot more patient. I've learned to see myself. I've gone through a beauty journey for myself as well. So like how I see myself, my blackness, my black hair, that's been a journey that I don't know if I would have gone on in the same way. Now, mind you, I stopped getting a perm in 98. So it wasn't like I wasn't in the natural game for a while. Yeah. But being able to see my big curly hair or my bun or whatever it is that I present as me being beautiful was a journey that I took by being around other black women who were out of like their normal space. Mm. So I think those are some of the ways that I feel like as a human, like I tell people I'm a better human for having left America, you know? Yeah. Um, wow. There's there's so much there, and and, and I'm I'm positive Eva's gonna want to go into the the you know the, the the hair part and and the blackness part, you know what I mean, around around the country. Um, I, I want to you know think back to some of the beginning parts of, of what you said, um, because I have to imagine there's some people right now listening that are almost jealous. Like, wait, you, <laughs> what? Like you and you made what? And you don't have to do what? Like that? What, what people are thinking um, about that? And I think that that's a fantastic thing um, in, in both directions. Like, you know, imagining people from Finland saying, you know, wow, we're doing all of these innovative things here in Finland. You know what? I'm going to pick up and I'm going to move to the U.S. and I'm going to show them what it is that we, we're we're doing in, in in Finland. And for you here in the U.S. saying, look, you know, for neurodiverse populations and things like that, we're doing that better. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go and I'm going to show people around the world how 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 we do it. It it, it sounds to me like this is just something that um, more people probably need to reconsider um, because that that that's something that would be be better for the for the overall education uh, you know when we say system you know it, it's 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 like the world system and then the country system and then the state system and and, and then the local system so there's there's so many different you know quote quote unquote systems and, and it's you know you're getting perspective 
from a, a lot of different places. So uh, I'm, I'm curious, out of all of those places that, that you've been, what are some of the like most important things that, that people here in the States probably need to know where this is just, this is it's self-evident how much better it's happening in, in, in these other places. Um, and, and we need to stop even arguing about it because we, we, like, this is better, let's do it now. Like, what are some of those things? The one that stands out to me the most is how we look at testing. And I feel like in the U.S., testing drives everything. And I feel like we're like testing crazed. And it's like, test, 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 you know, all these evaluations. And you go out the country and you go, wait, y'all not testing all the time? Like, how do you? And there's just there's a fine balance of it, right? There's a not testing enough to even know if you're doing anything effective, right? There, There's that in where it's like, well, maybe we should do a little bit more. And then there's the other one where it's like, you're testing so much. When are you actually engaging in community building? When are you actually engaging in getting to know your students? When are you actually teaching? You know, you're spending all this time. And I feel like many international schools have gotten to a very sweet spot of that kind of balance of, we trust our educators. That's one one big thing is that there's a lot of educator trust and mm. not so much oversight. You know, I if I'm going into classrooms, I'm going in to be a partner in learning, not to validate that you you are doing it. Now, yeah. am I paying attention as a leader? Yeah. Like if you, you off the walls, like, yes, we're going to have some follow up conversation. But that's not why I'm in there. I'm in there for those babies. Right. You know, just yesterday I stumbled across a class. And they're like, hey. Can you come and join our scavenger hunt for our great ones? Yeah. So I'm walking around the school. We're doing a scavenger hunt, supporting each other. And that's just what the learning was about, you know. And then at the end, they asked the question, who are other people who are part of your learning experience? And they expected the kids to be able to say my name, that I am part of their learning experience. And I think that's really different. And when you move away from testing, 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 you can engage in learning in that way. So that would be the first um, one. I also think that international schools do a really good job about, and I know this is really important to um, Black on Black, is moving towards more student agency. And so like having ways that they're actually having conversations about getting the students involved in their learning, taking charge. And it's one that I'm always pushing because it's super important to me is how do you allow students to be agents of their learning and how and whether that's through project-based learning inquiry-based like whatever you're doing how are they starting to facilitate their learning so i think those are probably the two that stand or maybe that's even three because it's like teacher agency less testing and then you know that student advocacy part i think is really Uh um some things that often and, and mind you just like the U.S., there, there's there's a range, right? You know, all international schools are not created equal. So there are some that you look at and they're doing really, really great work. And then there are some where you're like, oh, child, like you don't get your paycheck on time. So like I like to be mm-hmm. honest with people that and that's and as much as the U.S. has its issues, you're not working somewhere in the U.S. And you're not getting your paycheck, you know, not. Yeah. not in, so those are some differences that as you're looking at schools and something I help educators with is like, how do you know that this is going to be a reputable, good school that you're going to because you're uprooting your life? Cause some of them are real raggedy, you know, they opened the school two weeks ago and you coming out there on a visitor's visa. Yeah, no, that's not, you know, that's not it. So I do want to be transparent and not be deceitful that all, like if you go internationally, everything is going, you, you need to do some research. You need to have some, understanding that there's a range of schools as well. 
Yeah. And I mean, and that's just like anything else. And it's, it's, there's, there's the good, there's the bad, there's the pros, there's the cons. And we're always going to have to grapple with those things. But it is also important for people to think about things that they might never have thought about before, particularly as it pertains to the ability to make change in a system that you might sometimes need to leave for a little while in order to create and make the change that you want to. Like I know working with Adrian, how much impact she's had on educators and you are not even in the same country as the educators that you're working with, right? And so through the Teacher Action Board, through uh, Teaching for Black Lives, just some partnerships that we've done together, we really had a, a, I've had an ability to learn and grow and be pushed um, by you. And so I, I just wanted you to, you began to start to dig into this and you began to start talking about this in your story of like, I'm gonna come into this space with this educator and support them in the way that they need and not really be over them and trying to be super technical about the way that they're they're doing learning in their classroom. But I wanna talk a little bit about like being a school leader, right? And educator development at, holistically and how you as, as an educator's educator, right? Like how do you, um, make impact on the people that you're serving, on the teachers that you're serving because of the experience that you've had both in the United States and outside of it? So I think the first one is that I think every moment is a, a space for learning, right? For me and for them. So the first part is that I'm always learning from, from them, right? And so some of what I think is great is that as I go into classrooms, I'm learning from them and I'm able to share that with somebody else who might need it or point them to the person who, you know, I got that learning from. So I think that's one that's really important. The other is being willing to be wrong, right? You know, like I haven't, I'm not always right. And so that's really important is that like, sometimes I've made mistakes and being able to admit that mistake and then, you know, become better for it is one. And then when I was saying like, every moment is a time for learning, it's structuring meetings where, I'm able to infuse in a meeting a bit of learning as well. So, you know, whether it's thinking about like, oh, how we start the meeting is something that you can then use in your classroom. How yeah. you're getting your learning in is in a way, because I feel like so often teacher learning exemplifies everything we shouldn't be doing in learning and best practices. Like so often it's like, oh, I'm going to teach you to be student-centered by not being student-centered with you. Adrian. Adrian. <laughs> When I tell you I recorded a video about this yesterday, <laughs> yesterday, oh my gosh, go ahead. <laughs> and I think that modeling as a leader, what you want them to do, so that includes the agency. So why don't I need to micromanage? Because you don't need to micromanage your students. And if I'm micromanaging you, that's showing you that you need to micromanage your kids versus if I'm showing, you know, I trust you, you can do this. This is something you do well. And even... Even things as small as a teacher coming to me and I go, well, what do you want to do? What do you think the answer is? Instead of just giving an answer, you know, like that, those are the same things you do with your kids. Like, well, how do you think you should solve this? What's a different way to get there? You know, when kids come to my office for, you know, behavior, it's like, well, how do you think we can solve this? Like, I don't have to tell mm -hmm. you how to solve the problem. You probably have so much of that within you. I'm there to fill the gap when you can't, you know, not to be the, the first solution but I just feel like so much educator education is like terrible and so like trying to remind myself of that right because it's very easy to just a sit and get is easy to produce right it's very easy to include that 
actually taking the time to say, how can I engage my teachers in a way that doesn't feel childish either, right? Because that's right. the other end of it. You see people who make it like, I'm like, I'm not, you, no, I will never tell my teacher to act like a child. Like that's demeaning. So what I, how do I develop an experience for you that gives you a challenge, gives you an experience that you can then replicate and, you know, create for your first grader? I'm not going to treat you like a first grader. That's just ridiculous to me. So, and I feel like those are the two ends. Either it's so engaging, but you have to be a child or it's completely not engaging, but I'm telling you how to be engaging. Yeah. How do you do that? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I, 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 I'm so into everything that you just said there. Cause I just think that that is the manifestation. It's what it's when particularly schools that do professional development in-house which is a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day, um, but does all of their professional development in-house. Like, this is how you wake up as a leader and say, like, this is what I'm expecting from my educators, right? So if you have your first two weeks or your first three weeks of professional development and you think that you're going to be able to plan it the day before or not plan it at all or not think about how the, the lessons are cohesive, those are all things that you're expecting for your educators to do but then aren't doing it when it's the, so it's just showing the disconnect between school leaders and those who are a part of making sure that the educators have the learning that they need because there's always learning, right? The art of teaching is that you required to always have to learn something new, always think of a new perspective. And so like that piece right there really, really touched me because I've been thinking a lot about the problem with school leaders no longer being in the classroom to some degree, or at least not thinking about how they're showing up and how they're developing their teachers by mim mimicking and mirroring what it is that they're expecting from their teachers. So that that was such a such a great um, piece to get into because I think that we needed to uh, tick that off and have that be named. Um, like we have to be able to recognize that if we're expecting something from our educators, that the development that we give them needs to be uh, something that's that's planned effectively. So I, I appreciate and we something. Oh, just real quickly, she said something that sparked, it kind of goes back to a previous question that I completely forgot about. You talked about ways we can learn from other countries. The UK has a model about leaders. You have to be basically like the superintendent to not actually be in classes, right? Oh. And so like your principals, your assistant principals still have at least one course load that they're teaching that. and that keeps that connection. I think that's really important and I look forward to having that again in elementary school, it is a little bit harder. I've been trying to figure it out because I don't yeah. teach a specialty. So like, how do I do that in a way where I could take, you know, once a week, twice a week, a class? Because the reality is there are demands. You can't be teaching a full load. Yeah. You know? But the UK, it's, it's very much their philosophy that just because you're a leader doesn't mean you've left the learning in the educating uh -huh. process. So I thought I would kind of name that as something that we could learn from another country. But I know Jamal was uh, about to jump in. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just going to jump in and, and, and I say this on the podcast a lot and I don't think it can be said enough. You know, so, so many of these things are, are not just strategy, this spirit, like it's, it's, it's how you like, who are you and, and, and how do you feel about these young people um, and, and what do you want for them? How do you feel about the people who you work with and what do you want for them? Like it, it's, it's, it, it, it changes how you operate when, when, when you, when you're coming from a place where, I absolutely positively want what is best 
for these young people. Um, mm-hmm. And everybody just does not do that. And I'm, I, I, you know, and I'm sure that's in the U.S. I'm sure that's, you know, where, where, wherever um, you go. You talked about that willingness to be wrong. Um, so teachers who walk in the classroom and 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 I've told this story before. I'll tell it again. You know, I had a teacher where. I, I wish I could remember exactly what it what the what the topic was, um, but there was something that I she she spoke to in class and I knew she was wrong. I, I had read it recently in an encyclopedia or something, and and I brought the encyclopedia to school the next day. To, I was like, no, that's just not the, the day of. I was like, no, that's not right, and she just was, you know, just wished me away. You know what I mean? Like I was just the idiot. I brought the encyclopedia to school the next day to show, like, look, you know what I mean? You, you said this yesterday. The encyclopedia says this. And she was like, get out of my class. Get out. She she kicked me out the class, and I didn't leave. And there's a whole other story. Longer version of the story, which, you know, included, um, you know, it wasn't physical and nothing like that. But, you know, like, you know, they, they had to bring the power professors and stuff. Because I wasn't leaving, because I was right. And, you know, and 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 so I didn't go about it in the most respectful way. Um, and something else that school should be teaching students is how to have this dynamic, you know, in a, in a, in a respectful um, way. But the teachers should have had some method. I was a child. This is a, a, a grown person. They should have had the ability to say, you know what? I got that one wrong. Like it would have changed so much just just for for everybody who was sitting there that day, um, and 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 I feel like it would have extended out past you know that that that, that particular day. So it sounds as if you know you 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 are um, you, you're focused in on some of the culture things you know that 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 relate to education outside of just the the, the specifics. And, and recently, I, I saw somebody um, say something like, you know, culture eats curriculum for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, well, yes, it does. Like, you know what I mean, like it's 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 the culture of the school. And so my my, my question is, and I don't know whether have you worked in any schools in Africa? Not yet. So I did do research in Africa, but I haven't. That's even though like that's my next. Like that's what I want next. Like I'm like I've done all of these places. Why am I not on the continent? Like that's no, a big it, thing it, for I, me. It, not just you, but I think that 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 what you've done so far and, and your understanding of connecting other places back to here, like you could be, you know, in the, in the mid middle of something phenomenal in terms of how we connect to, 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 to and how we connect to, to, to people back, back in Africa, um, you know, like learning, how are they learning today? What is, what's right? What's wrong? What needs to be unlearned? What what are they wrong about? What are we wrong about? And 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 navigating a conversation that kind of links us together. Um, you know, I, I just wonder what what you think about um, making that happen. And and you know, how, how can we help? You know, make make, make it work because that because that is black on black education. So for me, I would wait till I would actually be there because, you know, I'm not there. And I feel like there's something to be said about actually being there and connecting with individuals. What I can say that's been interesting is that a lot of Africa has picked up certain things from the Brits. And mind you, I think each, like I said, there's something I just noted that I think is really great about British education. But one thing I really don't like about it is I also feel like they're very test driven um, and score driven in a way that. I actually think is worse than the U.S. to some degree. So, like, I feel like 
process is a big thing in the U.S. Like there is a move to like how students learn and that type of thing. Those discussions are happening. Um, I don't, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen at all in the U.K., but I feel like that's a lot slower. And so I feel like some of the places I've, where I've talked to and interacted with people, one thing that's interesting is like that holding on to like old British style learning that I still mm. see in, in a lot of Africa. But this is a outside view, right? And that's why I said yeah. I'd rather be there yeah. and actually be engaged before I would even start something like that and see how they would want us to be there. How do they, how would they want us to connect and be present? I'm very, you know, like somebody was, um, I was on with Bobby and did an interview with him. And one of the questions he asked me was about like my dream for the future and my like future school. I said, well, I can't fully say what that is because I don't know where it is. You know, like that, that should be informed and impacted. Like my dream is not complete solo, right? You know, I can't fully dream in isolation. Like I have certain things that like, I know I wouldn't participate in. Like you not go have me at a school where, you know, I'm running everything as a leader. Like that's not going to happen. You know, yeah, that's yeah. going to be a collaboration with community, the parents, the educators and the students. Right. And yeah. so I can't tell you exactly what that school will look like. Cause I don't know any of those people on that list. So I feel yeah. the same way about like that type of a partnership. Like I would need to be on the ground and connecting with them. And you know, what you would do in Mali would be very different than what you would do in South Africa. Right. And then what you would do in like rural Ghana would be very different than what you would do in like, you know, urban city, Uganda, like all of yeah, those like yeah. intricacies matter. So I feel like I'm not even ready to answer that, but it's a commitment I have in my heart. It's something that I know yeah. is coming. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna start to send you some, uh, some applications. Like we're we going to be on the job boards out there, like, you know, and, and, and start sending them your way. You're not the only one. I have a friend who's in Dakar <laughs> and she's like, so we have a principal position open. It, first, she's like, we have a Jedi, um, a, like a DEI position opening. And I said, I don't want to take DEI positions because I want to be the principal on the other end who makes sure that my DEI coordinator actually can get stuff done. Like, I think that's really important to have people who are committed to this work be on the other side, on the side that actually makes it happen. Because when DEI professionals work in silos and isolation, things don't happen. Mm -hmm. So I feel like having somebody like me who's committed to it, who is like, no, this work has to happen, not just it should, like, no, it has to happen for yeah. everybody. I need. I, I want to stay in my lane. My lane is like this type of leadership, but I want to be that leader that you know you can partner with, who you can come to and say, Adrian, Y'all messed up. Look at these books that y'all are reading. I go, okay, let's take those down. Let's talk about that. You know, yeah. but, and so she's like, I never thought about that. I was like, yeah, that's super important. Like, if I, I'm like, you can find people who are DEI professionals and I'm not going to lie and act like that's my expertise. I'm, it's my love, right? You know, that's my heart. And so she's like, well, we're going to look for a position when she's like, well, what's your timeline? Because I think our principal is going to be leaving in X amount of time and you can apply. And I was like, okay, let me get some, I want to get my feet. I want to feel really confident in where I am now. So like I work with my special education team and I work with my TAs. Those are two two important um, groups in my school that I feel like often are really overlooked and don't have people who have that knowledge. So working with my SPED team has been amazing, but also working with my TAs and giving them a voice and giving them power and giving and letting them know you're an equal partner in the education that's happening. That, that was a meeting I was having with them this week. I checked in with them like, how's week one going? What is it that you need? And then just yesterday, one came into my office and said, 
hey, can I talk to you? I was like, yeah. She's like, so my teacher gave me this task. She said, there's nothing wrong with it, but I'm wondering if there could be a better use of my time and how mm -hmm. we can work with the teachers on that. I said, so I asked her some questions. I said, now I'm asking you questions, not because I'm trying to justify. I said, I want to make sure I understand so that when I go back and I'm talking to your teacher, I have a full understanding of the context and I'm not sticking my foot in my mouth. So yeah. that's the type of work I want to do. And I want to do the same thing, you know, somewhere on the continent. Well, I, 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 I just appreciate the way that you think so deeply about things, right? And I think that we all have to take a take a page out of that book because unfortunately we we live in spaces where people will feel so confident in what they know and what they do that they don't recognize that the that that doesn't mean that what they know and what they do in the context that they work in works for everywhere else. And so I just appreciate this idea that like I can't answer a question about how I support this group of people without being and talking and communicating with this group of people. And what we do with Black and Black Education is so intrinsic, like so intrinsically believes that, right? If we're talking about people ask us, okay, when you open a school, like I can't tell you, I'm a, I have ideas around what I want to do if I opened a school, but I can't tell you at all because the kids that would come to the school are the kids that need to tell me what they want the school to look like. The kids that are in the community, the parents that are in the community, the businesses that are around the community, all of those people have a stake in what type of school you create, right? And so I, I'm just so grateful for the way that you answered that question, because I think people need to hear that you are not all-knowing. We are not all-knowing, and they will never be all-knowing, right? We all have to recognize that the lived experience of the people that we serve have to be a cornerstone of any choice that we make, uh, whether it's starting a school, naming a school, uh, developing a curriculum at a school, anything that we do where we're educating young people, we have to think about how all the stakeholders are a part of that conversation. It doesn't matter who the school leaders are. It doesn't matter who the educators in the room are. If those folks don't have um, a seat at the table, it's not a school worth developing because it's not serving the needs of the kids. It's serving the needs of your ego. And those are two things that we really, really have to break down in our education system in the United States. And I would presume in, 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 in schools all over the world. Um, you came off mute, Dad. So and I was like, "Oh, you going?" <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I was like, "I was, I was, I was, I was just going to say facts or bars or you know, like." It's, it's, I, like you know, oh, I decided not to do it. Just, just, I was co-signing what what you said. <laughs> it was just like that. See, this is the moments where, like, this virtual podcast be like. But we moving on, people. We moving on, and we keeping this in here because y'all got to see how. I was wondering. I was like, "Is this no?" We keeping this in here. We keeping this in here. But I mean, so everything that we've talked about once. I mean, I want to go back to something that you said earlier, where you were talking really intrinsically about like your blackness, being able to be in a black space and be seen as beautiful because, like, black features. Um, of women are seen as beautiful because they are black spaces, right? Uh, I definitely had that experience in Jamaica. I know that like every time I go there, I always kind of fall back into a comfort with myself that I don't have when I'm here, right? And so what has it taught you about your own blackness? And just again, thinking about the partnership that we have together teaching for black lives while well, it's in education, like how do you teach for black lives? because of, of what you have learned about yourself and come into with your own um, Blackness and your own journey? So the first thing that I think leaving, it, and so now I'm in the Cayman Islands, right? A country that has like tons of Black people. I, I remember one of the first things I recorded and put 
on my Instagram being here was I went to the grocery store and I saw Dude Grow at the grocery store. It's like the bougie grocery store. Like I was like, wait, they sell Dude Grow at the grocery store? It is not like it wasn't some black hair care section. It, mm -hmm. was, it was the hair care section. And I was just like amazed. So there's something to be said about not having to go and feel like you're some extra, right? Like, no, mm -hmm. this is how it is. Like we were at the version of like their wholesale store and they had Shea Moisture products in wholesale. That like on I, wholesale. these things are just like amazing that like, I'm not like an add on piece. I'm not some mm -hmm. small little section. Like I am part of this. There's something to really be said about that. Oh. But when I first went abroad that I wasn't here, you know, when I first went abroad, I went to the middle. Well, when I first went abroad, I was a kid and I was, I went to Germany with my mom, but as an, a, a doll educator, I first went to Qatar and it's something to be said about just being in places where black and brown people are the majority and they are running the country and they're doing those things. There's something to be said about it just not being white, right? There's just uh -huh. something about that that is pretty amazing. And so it was in Qatar that I started to be like, oh, okay. And I had a, an epiphany that like, I only saw myself as beautiful with my hair straight. And I was uh -huh. like, well, I have to go through a lot of work to get my hair straight. Why, why can't I see myself as beautiful with my hair in any kind of way? Yeah. So I kind of like committed myself to like not straightening my hair. And it was only supposed to be like a six month thing. And that was in 2019. I haven't straightened my hair since like mm -hmm. this is 2022. Like, but it was doing that. And I'm, you know, I met a girl from South Africa who started helping me to take care of my hair, to style my hair, to do all of that. And that and it took somebody from a country where blackness is black, you know, like blackness is, is what it was happening to like help me just go through that process. But then also seeing so many different types of black people also said something to me. I feel mm -hmm. like American blackness is, is one version of blackness. And then, you know, Caribbean blackness is a different and then, you know, African blackness. And then there's subsets of all of those, right? You know, like Northern, like Detroit blackness ain't the same as New York blackness, right? Like all Ooh. of that, but seeing it in like a global context where I would see a black person open their mouth and I'm like, oh, they're not speaking English. Like there was something <laughs> about that. Like, yeah. you know, I was like, oh, and, and they weren't speaking like, you know, a mother tongue language either. They were speaking like French and Portuguese. Yeah. And like, I was like, and, and mind you, did I know that black people spoke other languages? Yes. But to like see it as just such a natural thing, there was something about that that just helped me to understand the diversity within blackness that uh -huh. gave me a confidence in my own, right? You know, to see other people just living their own version of black was super special. So now you take that into a school context. And last year going through teaching for black lives was just such a enlightening thing for me, right? To kind of yeah. like really think about how the idea of blackness plays out everywhere, right? And mm -hmm. everything and is, you know, has to do with how you show up in gender, how you show up, you know, in, in education, how you show up when you're thinking about art, how you show up and you think about presenting and how you show up like in, you know, a, a, a country where they're speaking Spanish and how the blackness there has really impacted and also how it's been intentionally wiped out of so many places, right? Like intentionally yeah. tried to 
be written away as if it wasn't how this country has come to be or how these places and spaces have come to be. And so in terms of like it being in my daily practice, it's what are some of these great things that you see, you know, blackness, like really doing is part of education, whether it's how we storytell, how we engage our elders, how we talk about, you know, our learning. Like if you think about how black people do it, we fun. Like, I don't care what nobody say. Black people have fun. Like, you know, whether it's the music, whether it's like everything about it, there's just so much soul. And I think for me, blackness has always been about being your truest you. Mm. And, and what better way to do education than having kids be able to say, I am me. And me is great and amazing for all of these different reasons, you know, and, and as an educator, be able to say that about yourself, because I think that's part of what international education did for me was I can now name to you what makes me awesome, what makes me great, what makes me unique and different from from the three of us and from everybody else. Yeah. I don't think I had that same language in 2015 when I was still in the U.S. Mm. Right. Um, it, it's, it's I want to bring a couple of things together, like as we start to, to, to round out the conversation, um, you know, earlier there was something that you mentioned um, about being international um, and, and some places having a different focus on kind of student student centered approaches to education. So, you know, I mean, that's kind of a, a black on black education thing. Um, and just now, you you know, you, you were kind of communicating um, around students and really, really, really being able to step into, um, you know, their, their, their blackness and, and, you know, and how that connects to education. I just want you to, to, to kind of bring those two ideas together a little bit um, for us. So, I think when you start thinking about identity and not just blackness, right? I think the beauty of blackness is the celebration of self, right? And so I also think of like Dr. Uh, Enden and how he talks about it. And, and like, I think this idea of blackness is the idea that you can be your truth. Like there's so much diversity within blackness that you don't have to be like what the media has told us is blackness one probably don't really exist in real blackness first and then two doesn't have to be your story of blackness and so i think that when you think about that that's true for white people that's true for you know latinx that's true for all these different people but i feel like it's something that is central to how black people identify globally and so mm -hmm. moving that into the education space is like how do we celebrate what makes you uniquely you and it so I think about like when I work with teachers and often teachers are always trying to combat what their students are doing my students talk a lot I need them to be quiet no you need them to talk about what your you know like your goals so I, I always yeah. tell teachers if you see that your kids do something a lot, stop trying to stop them. Start mm. figuring out how you can develop things that allow them to do that in a space that's now learning, right? Yeah, so if they like to like to talk, get them that, to talk about. <laughs> Sorry, that, that whole thing is worth saying again. Please say say that again. Like, get your kids. Stop trying to fight your kids. Like, partner with them. They they talk. Get them to talk. They move. Get them to move. Like, stop trying to like put them in this box. Oh, is that a, a warning? No, sorry. Stop trying to put them in this box. Get them to actually learn in the way that they're going to learn. Because I bet you they're going to learn more. They're going to learn faster. And they're going to be more engaged. Because you're not yeah. fighting who they are as people. And I feel like that's something abroad and in the U.S. I, I, I would talk to people about. is like, whatever you're complaining to me about your kids about, 
the reason it's a complaint is because you as an educator yeah. aren't moving in that direction with them. You have a wave going this way. You trying to swim the opposite way. What? <laughs> so um, I think that when I think about like international education, because there's not all that micromanagement, teachers can explore and try those things in a way that feels safe, right? In a way that they're not worried about whether they'll have a job next week because mm. you're not going in there that way. I think there's something, there's a real truth in you're not going to fire me because I tried something that didn't work. I think educators have to feel faith, safe to fail. It's something I talk about mm -hmm. a lot. Like there has to be a safety in failure and people are like, well, stop saying fail. No, you fail sometimes. Like yeah. <laughs> that's life. Like you don't win everything. You don't, you know, like that is part of what happens and that's okay. It's what do you do after? What have yeah. I done as a leader to say that's okay. So what do we do now? And then you do that same thing for the kids because they're going to have stumbling blocks. They're going to have mistakes. How do you make that safe and them to still be able to be so true to who they are in all of that journey? Mm, 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 mm. And again, it, it's it's so key that you know that this is this is stuff that the the school leader should model to the to the educators to the teachers. The teachers should model to the children. Um, the children should be able to come back and model it to their parents. This is the spirit that we need all throughout the community that, that yes, it is, it is okay that I got this wrong. I'm just going to get it right next time. Like it's, it's not big red F on the paper. Yes. And, and, and now I identify as a failure. It's, it's, I don't know this now. And, and, and you have committed to help me know this. And, yep. and I care about you as a result of that. Um, and you care, I know you care about me because you you are, are walking me along this journey. Like, like these, this, this isn't, you know, it's not, here's the, this test is the destination. No, yes. it's part of that journey. So I would even go further than that, right? Because if we're talking about preparing children for the life that they're going to create for themselves, the only way to do that, no matter what job you choose, right? We think about doctors as like these extremely smart people that just know stuff, right? We think about like my friend is in school to be a physician's assistant right now. If she gets a 65 on a, on, a, on an exam, it's not, well, you got a 65, but, a, but the average is a 90. So you're going to be a PA and you just won't know that stuff. No, she still needs to know the stuff that she didn't know. And so she has to go through a process of remediation and go through every single question she got wrong and understanding why she got them wrong and how she got them wrong and engage in that work with the educator. So it's going even further to say that this is the part that matters the most. You understand that stuff and that's awesome. And now you can save somebody if that stuff comes up when they're in the doctor's office. But this stuff you still need to know in order for, for you to do what you need to do to take care of your patients, right? And so this is, this is something that shows up not just in the medical field, but in all fields, that you have to be able to learn how to learn, go through the process of learning so that you're always getting the information that you don't know, because we will never know everything, but we can know a, a path, we can have a system that works for us and our individual needs, that, that we a process that we can go through every time when I need to learn something new to help me get to whatever the next step is. So I, I just... I just appreciate that piece so much. And I think educators have to step into that and, and young people have to recognize that there's nothing wrong with going through the process of being wrong, right? But it's they, staying they, wrong. They do. Staying wrong is the problem, but they do recognize it because they play games. And, you know, it's, it's they, 
when they're on level one, if you want to get to level two, you know, you are going to fall in the hole. You're going to get killed by the monster. You're going to like, <laughs> things are going to happen. And then you're going to learn to slay the monster. You're going to learn to jump over the hole. And then you're going to get to what he's going to do next time. And to add to that, one question I like to ask my educators are like, what's something you're most proud of? Like, what's like something that you look back and you're really proud of? Every time somebody answers that question, there was struggle, there was failure, there was something yeah. in it because at the end, like to get to that very proud moment, you it, it didn't come easy. It, nothing yeah. that came easy are the things that you hold on to as like, yes, I did that. It's when you have to go through the falling down, the scrapes, the, the you know, oops, that was wrong. And then you're on the other end. It It's that process that actually gets you there. And I think we forget that. And so mm -hmm. asking you to talk about what you're proud of and then how did you get there every single time. I have not once had somebody and it was something they were super proud of and it was just given to them or it came easy. Mm -hmm. Never. Right. Mm -hmm. This, this, this right here, I just, you know, like from 44 minutes on, that's going to be one of those YouTube, like, we're going to put the whole clip there. Because it's, it's, it's yeah, not. Because if, if you didn't make it through the whole episode, you at least need to make it through that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're we going to make sure that happens, right? And so, I mean, we could keep going forever and ever and ever like we could with almost every single episode that we have. Um, because the wealth of knowledge and information that the guests that we have on this podcast are always just so rich and incredible and make me a better educator and get me excited about like, oh, I'm doing my my scope and sequence right now. I'm like, oh, now I need to uh, 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 and I need to add that, that, that because every time you have these discussions, you know that I have ways that I can make what I'm doing better. So thank you uh, for bringing that in here. I told y'all this was going to be a special one. And so before we hit our last question where you become the interviewer and I and we become the interviewees. Um, let us know how people can find your work. Uh, I, I don't know how someone listens to this entire episode and is like, I don't want to hear more from Adrian. Uh, so please let people know how they can find your work, how they can find you, how they can connect and collaborate with you. Um, so the first way is my website, worldwideeducator.org. Really simple. You see the name at the bottom, just add <laughs> .org to it. Um, same name. Take away the space on Instagram. And those are probably the best ways. I'm trying to get better with LinkedIn, which is Adrian Waller um, at LinkedIn. So those are ways that I'm growing. But once you connect with me, I give people a phone number and like, you know, email. You can info at Worldwide Educator. Um, however it works for you, I I'll connect with you and let's do it. Let's do it. I love it. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, now it's your turn. Uh, what would you like to ask either or, or end or I? So this is funny. I read that and I was like, I asked them a question. This is the hardest question on here. Like I get to ask yeah. something. So it's one that I'm shocked that I haven't asked you yet is it's kind of two parts. So like I want to hear about just your journey to this father daughter duo. But then I also just just a snippet because I've heard it, but I want to hear it again. Um, and then the <laughs> other part is what would it look like if black on black was connected with every school? Like what what does that look like? Like what does that in your heart look like, feel like, sound like, you know, the, the you know, the teacher version of black on black really being connected with every school? Like what transformations? How would education be different because uh -huh. of that partnership? You want, you want to take the latter and I'll take the former, Eva? So every time people say that, I have no idea what it means. Um, <laughs> I'm so honest about that. Like every single time I hear someone say it, I'm like, what, 
is the latter? Like, what is the what? Last I had two parts. Question. I'm gonna take the second question, and you're gonna take the first question. Let's yeah, stop being former is the first, <laughs> and latter is the late one. There you go. And now I know. And now I know. <laughs> you know, I'm always teaching. Here we go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take go, go ahead on that. Oh, okay. Uh, former, um, it, 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 and I'm sure Eva actually is going to dive into the former as well. Um, but <laughs> you know, we, we um, it's awesome and terrible at the same time. Like you know, like we 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 um, you know, we talk all the time. It it it's, it is um, uh, you know, Eva's my best friend. Like you know, it it, it we 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 are able to to navigate the personal and professional. Um, as well as I think, you know, can be. Sometimes we feel like we need a therapist and, uh, you know. Well, uh, to, we're getting a therapist. <laughs> yeah. Therapy yes. is for everybody, right? Let's name that. <laughs> Therapy is for everybody, period. Success, Touché. not success. There we go. Touche. Mm -hmm. um, no, but it's it's when, when you're connected around um, a shared passion and purpose it helps you know what i mean like she 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 never whatever i do wrong here she knows i'm not doing it wrong because you know i somehow don't care about the kids like you know what i mean she knows how much i care about this space um she knows how much i care about um uh, 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 having impact here and i know that she she's you know feels the same so you know any anything that i feel like she's not you know, grasping or things like that. I know it's not because she doesn't doesn't care. So when when you can get past that, you you almost can solve you know all the all the other 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 challenges. So yeah, um, yeah I, I, I'll stop there. Yeah, and I mean, just thinking about like how we even got to that point. Um, it, it's it started with again. You could search it up. Good Morning Britain. Akalo is on it. Uh, he was talking to Pierce Morgan. Pierce Morgan was going on and on about black on black crime and what is it psychologically about uh, young black males that they're killing each other and all of these things. Um, and, and through that entire interview, it was like a 10, 15 minute segment. Akala continues, he's a lyricist and a historian um, out in the UK and he continues to push against this narrative of black on black crime and that it's this very specific um, issue with these very specific people. And in some ways it is, but it's not for the reasons why many people um, presume, right? It's not that uh, black folks are killing each other because we have an insatiable need to kill each other, right? Like we have deeply rooted, historic driven, um, psychological wounds that have not been healed. Um, and so in him doing that, that tug of war, he says, um, yeah, I, I was in a program where uh, uh, black men would come to the school and teach us history, black on black education, if you will. And from that moment, I was like, I don't know what this is going to be. I have no idea. I still have the note in my iPad where I wrote Black and Black Education and circled it 50 times and was like, I don't know what this is, but it's something. Um, I called my dad probably directly after that class, if not after my next class, and was like, Black and Black Education, I don't know what it's going to be. It might be mentorship. It might be this, like, whatever. We should do it. Let's start it now. Um, and that was where the podcast was born. The conference came soon after that and just so on and so forth. Anti-racism events, super school events, um, and all the other things that we've done, they all came from that space. Um, and then to the latter question um, about like, what would it look like for black on black education to be in every school? Whew. 
um, it, it, it would be iterations of the two things that I am most proud of for Black and Black education. So the Teacher Action Board, where we're working with educators around mindset and understanding the importance of when you work um, and, and are intentional about the ways that you support your Black and Brown students, every other child in that room is better. They grow. They know how to walk into the world and recognize that they are not the center of the world, that we have to share this space, and that that sometimes means we got to get uncomfortable. And, and I think that us being able to work on that mindset gives students, I mean, give teachers real practical skills on how they develop those relationships with young people. Um, I, I think that there would be a transformation in, in every single school that we would come into because the passion that I come with every time I'm working with educators, it is always thinking about um, how do we do what needs to be done to make sure we are well first in order to be well enough to show up for our kids. And then on the second side is, is having iterations of our student action board, which we are officially starting this uh, coming fall. We will be spending an entire year with about 20 students working and engaging with them around how we develop uh, a research study that pulls out the information around what black and brown students are feeling in education, uh, particularly black and brown students that live in low income areas um, throughout our country. And we really wanna focus on what does it look like? What do they need? What are they struggling with? What's not happening for them? And I think that if more schools had programs like this, which we want to do, so if you're listening to this and you're interested in bringing it to your school, let's have a conversation. Um, but every school having a student action board puts the school in a position to have students in the space that are saying, this is the problem. We don't know this is the problem just because we're saying it here. We know that this is the problem because those students are also saying it over there. And, and these are the solutions that students are proposing that educators continually don't listen to. Uh, and so I, I, we're excited for both of those things to continue to grow. And I think that if every single school had a teacher action board and a student action board, um, where, where the focus was really how do we support the black and brown students, the, the students that have that learn differently, the students uh, that speak different languages. Like if they were at the center of the focus, again, every single child in that space would be better because it would be saying that no matter what you, the way that you show up, you are going to add value here. And if black and brown people know that, then, then the white people in the space know that as well. It's not taking away the power of a white person in order to give it to black and brown people. It's saying that I now have more power and agency within myself because the other people around me have more power and agency. Um, so those are the two. Those are the things that were top of mind for me in that question. I really do think like we have the power and not we as individuals, like we as a collective have the power to really make some waves in this in this education system. It really is just about devaluing the folks that don't wanna change and amplifying the folks that do and continuing to build the coalition of, of educators and young people that are fighting uh, this really, really, really important fight. And, and what I'll add to that is just the idea that um, it's not just about what happens in schools. You know, we, we're black on black education. So the, the, this is, you know, what, what happens in community centers, what happens at church, what happens at um, kitchen tables. You know, what, 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 what is the spirit that we're working with to, 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 to look at every single young person and really understand what that little 
bit of flame that sits inside of all of them, you know, what that looks like and how do we fan that flame? How do we turn that flame into an inferno that burns through um, our community in a, in, in, in a way where whatever was in their heart turns into a, a phenomenal um, expression that 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 takes our community and 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 significantly improves it. And if we do that with all of our young people, we, we, we there's just certain things we know we don't have to worry about anymore. Like you know that so 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 that, that that's what the the future um, of of black and black education. It's it's not our organization. It's 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 a cultural um, shift for 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 who and how we all operate um, as black people and. Um, and and it's happening like there's one with with 100 certitude um it is it is it is happening um right here right now we just got to keep it going and uh, conversations like this help us to do so so we, we we thank you so much for uh you know for for engaging in it um if there's anything else you want to leave folks with um now's the time Sorry, I had to find the unmute. I was like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I didn't mute the whole episode. I was like, oh, on their question, I'm going to mute and then didn't know where to find it. Um, <laughs> the one thing that I would say is that um, I'll be hosting a series and depending on when this drops and if I change the dates, <laughs> but I host every once in a while series on helping you with interviewing and helping you with being able to advocate and share like what you're good at in a four part series. The first one's like a free mock interview one where you can just drop in. But then the next uh, four that are paid are really focused around how do you interview the interviewer? So just kind of like what you all did, but like that's one of the most important parts of your interview is when they say, do you have any questions for us? Like, yes, it should always be your answer. And then what questions you ask can really dictate whether you end up with that job or not. How do you, answer that question that always comes up. Tell us about yourself. You know, like, how do you answer those? And then there's a couple of others in the series, but each one is very focused on a different aspect um, of the interview process. And so walking you through that, and they're pretty reasonably priced. I think they're like $25 each where you can drop in and get that learning. So that series is coming up in the fall. So settling on dates, because being back in school, I was like, oh, wait, Life is very different when you're working versus when you're thinking up these things in the summer when you're off. So um, just need to finalize on some dates and I'm switching like they're not all on the same day. So if like one day or time doesn't work for you, you won't miss a whole series. You can join into different ones. So that would be the one thing to share. And if you're thinking about going abroad, contact me. I do 15 minutes free for you or we can do like deeper dive um, conversations that are tailored to your needs, your expertise and what your next steps are. Absolutely. So educators, tap, tap, tap in. You need to make sure that you are at least following the worldwide educators, staying connected, um, staying connected with Black on Black education and just ensuring that the learning that we do during these conversations, the learning that we do outside of these conversations never um, just sit there. They become action, they become reality, um, and we get closer and closer to the education system that we want to see. So that was another episode of the Black on Black Education podcast, y'all. We are so grateful for you tuning in once again, and we will see you next time. Bye, y'all.